Isn't it awesome, though, to hear these students share stories of encounter after encounter, um, experiencing God in different ways? Um, I love that. I love that. I hope that as you hear that, you are encouraged. Um, Encouraged that as a church, you are supporting and loving a youth ministry, a group of teenagers who are truly encountering God, and it is changing their lives. And it's happening in many ways. It's not just at camp. It's not just at church. It's through reading the Bible and through worship alone and through hard times and through uh, all kinds of things, memorizing Bible scripture, right? Like God's encounter for us can be found anywhere. It's not a matter of it has to be at church or at camp, although sometimes those are the places we are most ready. We are most looking. We are most aware that God wants to encounter us. God is able to encounter us anywhere. Uh, This summer, we've had an awesome summer with our students. I just want to share a little bit with you um, about camp super briefly. We took almost 100 people to camp this year between middle school and high school. Um, It was awesome, totally cheer-worthy. We had a number of students um, stand up to receive Jesus for the first time at camp this year. We had even more students stand up who had previously received Jesus that just said, hey, I haven't really been following him the way that I want to, and I want, I want to do a better job of that. Um, we have students who stood up that said they want to start using their gifts for kingdom work. They want to start using their talents to praise Jesus, whether it's musical, like you see some students up here today, um, or otherwise, which is just as awesome as, as any of the other decisions. And so we are just excited. We took more leaders to camp than we ever have before. And believe me, without those adult leaders, we would not have taken that many students. Um, so... <laughs> Yes, yes. Um, Our leaders are awesome. They are the best youth leaders in the city. So if you know any other churches, you can just let them know our leaders are better. Um, Lastly, we gave scholarships to almost every student who came to camp. Almost every student either got a partial or a full scholarship of some kind. And I want you to hear in that church that as you hear these encounter stories, um, you heard Serena's story, you're going to hear one more story uh, through video before we finish today, that you are a part of that. You are a big part of that. Some of these students who received scholarships from us would have never otherwise been able to have a camp-like experience. And without that camp-like experience, they might not have opened themselves up to encountering Jesus for the first time. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you guys gave generously, and I, as the youth pastor who gets to offer these scholarships to these students, the youth pastor who gets to watch them as they cry receiving Jesus, the youth pastor who gets to walk alongside the leaders who are super encouraged by it, am so thankful for you as a church. So, so thankful. So thank you guys for for being a part of that. So yes, I I hope that you are encouraged by these stories, but I also hope that you're challenged. Um, We're in week two of a series called Encounters with the Divine. And in this series, we're sharing stories of people's encounters with God and how that has shaped them. And we are looking at biblical accounts of people encountering God so that, not just to read a good story, not just to hear a good story, but so that you also might go from here and experience and encounter God in new and fresh ways, whether it's for the first time or the thousandth time. Let it not get old. God wants you to encounter him. He wants to reveal himself to us in ways um, that we experience him so that we could come to know him like a friend. In fact, in Exodus 33, 11, our theme verse for this series, um, to Moses, this, <coughs> sorry, excuse me. 
this Hebrew guy from the Old Testament who has an awesome story with multiple encounters with God. Um, at this point in Exodus 33:11, he's led the Hebrew people out of Egypt. They are camped in Mount Sinai, and Moses is representing the people to God and representing God to the people. And as they are about to depart and continue on their journey to the land God had promised to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, who you heard Tim talk about last week, Moses enters the tent to meet with God, and this is how that moment is described in verse 11 in Exodus 33. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. That's a short portion of a verse, but that is so, so profound. I hope we don't skip over that. That's why it's a theme verse for an entire series. The Lord used to speak to Moses just as he would a friend face to face. And in that time, back in Moses' day, that kind of encounter with God, that kind of encounter with the divine was unheard of. That was not normal. That was not readily available to them. And yet what was unheard of in Moses' day is so available to us on a daily basis today. We live in a different time. And that is good news, if nothing else. An encounter with God's presence is available to us on a daily basis. And taking that a step further, because God regularly exceeds our expectations, not only does he want us to encounter his presence, to have a moment with his presence, but he offered us the free gift of his Holy Spirit to go with us everywhere we go. That's awesome. That's good news. That it wasn't based on your performance. It wasn't based on how good you are, what you've done, how high the mountain did you climb. But hey, here's a gift. That is what the gospel is all about. Uh, So as you hear these students' stories through the video, the video we just watched, and as there's another video to come, I hope you are encouraged and excited because our students, our teenagers here at Central, they are encountering and experiencing God. And that's awesome. But I also hope you're challenged because I want you to encounter God also. As a church, we set up this series because we want you to have an encounter with God's presence. So before we jump in and look at another biblical character this week, let's pray together. God, we are so thankful for your presence. We are thankful that we are able, uh, we live in a country, we have a freedom to take time out of our busy weeks, ready and expectant for an encounter even this morning, Lord. I thank you for the ways that you um, encountered Moses, the ways that you encountered Jacob, the ways that you encountered Saul, the ways that you encountered our students this summer. And God, I am thankful in advance for the ways that you are going to continue to encounter our students, teenagers here in Silicon Valley, that you might change not only their lives, but the trajectory of this city. God, you are good. We declare that this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So I, uh, they told me I didn't get as much time as Tim, so we're going to jump right in this morning in Acts chapter 9, uh, verse 1. So go ahead, if you got your Bible, turn there with me. Um, if you don't have a Bible, it's going to be up on the screen, but I encourage you, bring your Bibles to church. If you don't have one, go ask Tim, he'll get you one. Um, bring your Bible so you can highlight things, underline things, write things in the margin. It is such a gift to be able to go back and reread things that were important to you, reread little notes that you might have written to yourself from months, years past. Um, But we're going to jump in Acts chapter 9, verse 1, and we're going to read about a guy named Saul. Now, a lot of you, if you've been in church for very long, you've probably heard of Saul um, or Paul. Um, He is a very famous biblical character. He wrote a majority of the New Testament, um, and he has an incredible uh, moment, a story where he encountered Jesus in a really unique and special way. Real fast, just to catch us up of how we got to chapter 9 here. Um, Jesus dies, 
His followers scatter. Jesus raises from the dead. He conquers death. He appears to hundreds of his followers. He ascends up to heaven, and his followers gather together once again, yet smaller than they were before. And the Holy Spirit descends and is given to those who believe in Jesus as the Jewish Messiah. And then the followers of Jesus are scattered again because of heavy persecution. The religious leaders who who killed Jesus didn't like that people wanted to keep following Jesus. That was the whole point of killing him. They wanted to squash this whole Jesus movement. And yet that didn't happen. And so the, the followers of Jesus were persecuted. And those who spoke in the name of Jesus were often put in prison. And it culminates in a guy named Stephen. And we read about Stephen in Acts, and in the story of Stephen, we are introduced to a young guy named Saul. And Saul appears in this story uh, called The Young Man, and he basically is holding the coats for everybody else who is stoning Stephen. As they're doing this act, Saul's kind of standing off to the back holding coats. And he's watching this murderous, uh, horrific act happen. And he witnesses this, but he's not a normal young adult. He was brilliant. He studied at the top Greek school and was a disciple of one of the most well-respected religious leaders of that day. Saul uh, was just a little bit younger than Jesus, so he was old enough to have known the person of Jesus, smart enough to have had an understanding of the implications of the person of Jesus, but did not believe that the person of Jesus was the long-awaited Jewish Messiah. It's It's not that Saul didn't believe in God. He was a devout follower of Yahweh. He just missed it with Jesus. He knew the law. He followed the law. He was uh, a genius, but he missed something along the way. In fact, because he did not believe that Jesus was the, the Jewish Messiah, Saul became a leader in persecuting those who did believe it. And that's where we pick up chapter 9, verse 1. So if you got your Bibles or if you're following along the screen, got your phone, whatever you got, follow with me. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, on his journey suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Three days wasn't an accident, by the way. It's clearly pointing back to Jesus' three days. Cool connection there. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who, 
The Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. After taking some food, he regained his strength. Fun, quick fact about Saul real fast. Uh, Nothing to do with the message today, just a quick aside. Um, I've heard, and you've probably heard if you've been in church for very long or circles like this, um, that Paul changed his name from Saul to Paul or that God changed his name from Saul to Paul. Uh, That's not the case. Saul is his Hebrew name and Paul is his Greek name. Dual names was a regular common practice back then, and the name change when Saul decided to start being called Saul to say, hey, call me Paul now, um, was more to do with the audience. He started going to Gentiles, preaching the gospel, and he did not want his name to be a hindrance. So he changed his name, said, nope, call me Paul, so that he might be more comfortable, more accepted by his audience. Cool, fun fact. Moving on. Uh, So I'm going to talk about uh, four things um, this morning, unpacking this just a little bit, because I think there's some some basic principles that we can pull out of this for us having an encounter with God. The first one is that Saul seemed far from God. By all accounts, Saul missed God in the midst of his religion. To us, looking back, knowing who Saul becomes, having a fuller picture of scripture, Saul looks like he's far from God. He's killing Christians for goodness sake. He's imprisoning Christians. He's not only are are they here, but he's going to search them out in Damascus and say, not only do I not want you in Jerusalem, I'm going to come find you. In my mind, I'm like, man, Saul was messed up. He was far from God. He was searching for something that wasn't God. It pretended to be God on the outside, but on the inside, it was a fake. And sometimes I know we can look at ourselves or we can look at another person and think, man, that person is too far from God to encounter God. I am too far from God for God to want to reveal himself to me. I'm too far from God to experience God. Saul and God didn't even seem like they were in the same zip code. But something this story teaches us is that our distance from God does not dictate God's distance from us. Our distance from God does not dictate God's distance from us. We may think we can run away from God. We may see someone who from our perspective we think is so far from God. We may think I've messed up too much, too many times, But the reality is is that God is not far from us. God is not far from you. He is actually quite near. On top of that, Saul, who considered himself the chief of sinners, literally putting people in prison for believing Jesus, could be used by Jesus in his mission. I think clearly this story can also teach us that our past doesn't disqualify us from partnering with God. Our past does not disqualify us from partnering with God. Saul was the worst of the worst. To a lot of the Jewish people, he might have looked like the best of the best on the outside. But on the inside, he he was so far from the bullseye. He had missed it. And yet God used him to change the course of human history. Jesus came in and spoke, he is my chosen instrument. This person with a messed up past, this person who, who has missed me in the midst of their religion, that's who I want. That's who I want. Second thing, Saul was spiritually blind. Despite all the knowledge he had, despite the fact that Saul was top of his class in religious studies, he missed it spiritually. If nothing else, this is a great reminder that biblical knowledge about God can never replace a real encounter with the presence of God. And we could ask all kinds of questions about why God made him blind. Why would he choose to encounter him in this way? I, I know that it wasn't necessary. He did not have to become blind in order to encounter God because... I'm not blind and I've encountered God. Many of us in this room who have encountered God might not be blind. And so this wasn't necessary. 
And yet it's what happened. It wasn't without purpose. It wasn't on accident. And so uh, whatever the point may be, the author doesn't care to tell us. The point is that Saul was made physically blind and now he was finally able to see. He had missed it his whole life. And now because of God's great love and his grace, he offered Saul new eyes to see with. And they weren't physical eyes, they were spiritual eyes. He was physically blind, but he was made spiritually able to see. And I think a lot of us might have come in this morning and we are spiritually blind. We're missing it. Whether we are following Jesus and we're spiritually blind, missing the heart of God, following the law, the the letter of the law rather than the heart of the law, or maybe we're in here and we don't follow God. We've never decided to to follow him like Serena declared to us today that she is going to. Um, and, And we are in here spiritually blind, but God does not want you to stay that way. God does not want you to stay that way. Third, God orchestrated the details in this story. Luke, who's our author, he makes it so obvious that God was orchestrating the details in Saul's story so that he would have an encounter that changed his life. God stopped Saul along the road. God made him blind. God sends him into the city. God appears in a vision to Ananias. God sends Ananias to Saul. God uses Ananias to heal Saul and to pray for him. God is intimately involved and invested in what happened in Saul's life, and he is just as intimately invested and involved in what happens in your life. He cares about the details of your life because he cares about you, just like Saul. Now, God, he's not a puppet master, but he is definitely not a spectator either. Sometimes we view God as far off, only worried about the picture 10,000 feet in the air, but that's not the case. He cares about the details of your life. He cares about what happens to you tomorrow. He cares about whether your car runs or not, whether your kids get sick, whether you make it on time to work. He cares about the little things. Sometimes he's just waiting for us to ask him, to invite him into those little moments. Fourth, the last one, Saul was saved on purpose for purpose. The most important reason why God works so that we could have encounter with him is so that we could come to know him. Above all else, God wants us to know him because God knows that in our relationship with him is where life change happens. God also knows that in our relationship with him, when we come to know him, that is where true joy and delight come from. That is where the blessings of life come from, is our relationship and knowledge of really knowing God in a deep way. But God also makes it obvious, um, as he's speaking to Ananias here, that he has a purpose and a plan for Saul. He was an important vessel to spread the gospel to the Gentiles, to the kings, and to the people of Israel. It's basically like Gentiles was a anybody that wasn't a Jew. And kings were kind of like, I guess you could just say important people. And then to the people of Israel would say the Jewish people. I'm like, okay, so Saul's supposed to go to everybody and share the good news. And I think that's just the case for all of us. That as God saves us and God uh, grows us and God decides to send us out for his purposes, it's not just for one person, it's for all people. What I love about this story is that Saul was broken, but he didn't know it, and God healed him. Saul was blind, and he didn't know it, and God gave him sight. Saul was hurting, and I think he was desperate, and I think he desperately wanted to follow God, and he was upset, frustrated, angry. Why aren't these people getting it? And God met him right in that place, right in the midst of his desperation, right in the midst of his pain, and he, and he allowed him to see something different. So what I hope you hear this morning from, from Saul's story is that God is near to you. An encounter with the divine is not far off, is not far away. Your past doesn't dictate God's plan for your future. 
You may have walked in this morning spiritually blind, but God does not want you to stay that way. God is intimately invested in the details of your life because he is intimately invested in you. I hope you know that this morning. And he wants you to encounter him. The whole reason we're doing this encounter series um, is so that you might come to know God the way that Saul came to know God. You might come to know God the way that Jacob, after he wrestled with God, knew him in a deeper and more intimate way. And that you might be released from this place to live for God's purposes. You might be released from this place to share the story of your encounter as Serena shared hers, as our students are sharing theirs. You might go and share your story and see how God uses you as an important vessel for the gospel in Silicon Valley, as an important vessel for the gospel in your families and at your workplace, on your sports teams, at school, wherever you live your life, on your street. God sees you as an important vessel for the gospel. An encounter with God would come, often comes when we least expect it. For Paul, it was on a dirt road on his way to persecute the people of God. For our students, it's been at camp, at home, in the Bible, through worship, through prayer, and many other places. For Serena, earlier, it was watching someone else, to choo- someone else choose to declare their trust in God. We are often so distracted, so unaware, so preoccupied, so busy, you name it, fill in the blank what is distracting you in your life, that we think God's not there rather than we missed his presence. Because I think God is more present than we are usually aware. I think God is more available to us than we are usually aware Sometimes we get in our own way. Saul missed God and it led him down a dark path. But once he found God, once he really found God, it changed everything for him. And it can for you too. And in a moment, our worship team is going to come back up. We have some more songs that we're going to sing. We want to continue to um, lead you in worship with our students singing, all this stuff. But the whole purpose of that is that you might have an encounter with God. That you might, in this moment, on your own, with your community, experience God in a new way, in a fresh way, or maybe even for the first time. And my prayer for you is that you would open yourself up to encounter Jesus, not just this morning, but this week.